You are listening to the Two Chumps Football Podcast with Chad Wilson and Amo Calamino, sponsored by Bovada Sportsbook, the leading online sportsbook for all of your wagering needs. If you're a football nut like the two of us, then consider yourself a chump and realize that you're in the right place. Straight up no-nonsense football talk on a weekly basis. Now let's go tackle the issues. Welcome to the Two Chumps Football Podcast. He's Emil Calamino. I'm Chad Wilson. We are on to, what is this, week seven, Emil? We're not counting well, you keep, zero you week. Keep counting that. You keep counting week zero as a full week. No, it's actually week seven college football. I think we're good there. Week six NFL, week seven college football. Plenty of us to get to in the show. We got to talk about what everyone's talking about. Dak Prescott, this legendary blue bud college football team is back baby we go i'm gonna tell you who that is and what a horrible way to lose i think you guys know who we're talking about we've got to talk about what happened down here in the sunshine state with my alma mater that among other things the picks man we continue to kill it amel another great week for us anybody so, not listening to our picks you're missing out you are definitely yeah. missing out so we've got picks to get into both in college and nfl and also Talk about some of the games that we didn't pick, plus preview some games that we've got coming up. All that coming to you today on the Two Chumps Football Podcast. You guys know the deal, or maybe you don't, if it's your first time here. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Amazon, whatever you are listening to us on, go ahead and hit that button. Because if you love football, you are going to love this podcast and you're going to want to come back for more. So might as well get notified when the guys drop the next episode. All right, let's just get right into it. Amo, you are a lifelong Dallas Cowboys fan. He's not Roger Staubach. He's not Troy Aikman. He's not, man, he might not even be Danny White this He's week. He's not Tony Romo even. He's not Tony Romo, the guy he replaced. My God, are they on Dak Prescott's head? And Emil, maybe they could be a little bit, but they are far too hard on Dak Prescott, in my opinion. I know you don't share that. You, uh, how, how do you feel? about one Dak Prescott right now and I'll give you my opinion. You, you know, I'm not I'm not an insult. I'm not a I like Dak. You I you got to separate the person. Oh, forget that. We're a football No, because podcast. there's we guys that I guy. actually there's guys I actually don't like. Like like listen, if the guy if the guy does poorly, I I'm happy. Dak I like. Besides I'm a fan. I would like Dak if he played for another team. I think he's a good guy. Um here's the thing. I, I watch the expressions on his face. He gets that thousand foot stare and I know it's over. I just see that look. And I tell you when I knew this game was over, I'm going to be honest with you. I want to hear this. The 49ers scored first possession. I wasn't feeling good the way they went down the field methodically. They said, okay, let's see what we do with the ball. Even if we don't score, mm. let's see what the offense looks like. And there was a play, maybe I want to say the second, third play of the game I think it was the tight end. I'm not 100%. I think it was Ferguson. He cut across the field, midfield. Missed him on a corner route. There was a window there. And I mean, it was it was a decent sized window. And he just, yeah, he just missed it. And I'm like, this is, I knew in my, without being a fan, if I took the fan out of it, I said, this is over. 
Really? This is over. God, do you look like that Dr. Pepper commercial where they start setting the bonfire and they're burning everything and they're getting rid of everything. And of all people, the boss has to say, guys, that's the first play of the game. Well, <laughs> I love that commercial. Watch- you get old enough, you watch enough football, Listen, you watch man. a certain team enough, and you just kind of know the vibe. I guess. I'm going to give you that. Um, and as fans, we probably check out a whole lot sooner. That's probably what gives us the euphoria in the moments of when there is a comeback because as fans, sometimes you just write things off. Um, Emil, I didn't quite see it that way. I And I wouldn't put all this on Dak. I think the whole mood and mindset of the Cowboys team – wasn't right coming into that game. You must have had four penalties in that first drive defensively. That I mean, how many times are you going to line up offsides for God's sake? I'm not going to I listen, I as someone who prides himself on being usually I won't use the word better, uh more nuanced than the average fan, I I agree with you. And I, I have some problems with the entire offensive operation in Dallas at this point. I don't like what I see from Mike McCarthy. I mean, th- they hand the guy a Brandon Cooks. Still a guy that can run, not like this guy's over the hill. Um, a six-time 1,000-yard receiver. The guy's got nine catches on the year. Brandon Cooks is a guy that's supposed to take the top off a of defense. What are you doing? I mean, you can't throw the ball sideways the entire game. They're throwing these four-yard dink and dunks. You play defense. You coach defense. The field gets small. You, you can't. All right, let me um, let me give this assessment of Dak Prescott. Um, before I say that, though, I'm going to say this once again. I don't love – I actually – actually, now I'm going to use the strong word hate. Head coach is calling plays. You already know what I'm on on that. It's not yeah. working – you would have to be such a tremendous play caller. Like uh, Kyle Shanahan. <coughs> Kyle Shanahan, Andy Reid, everyone else, cut it out. Yep. Stop. All Stop. right. And even to a certain degree, those guys miss some things, but they're just so good and they have s- such great talent consistent with what it is that they do that they can overcome those things that they're missing. So you've got Mike McCarthy doing it, and he's not a savant. But anyway, Dak Prescott, the perhaps the worst thing that he does, Amal, is throw the deep ball. Um, it's routinely underthrown. It's routinely not hit. You're not hitting a guy in stride. Um, my son was a beneficiary of that. The play in the end zone, massively underthrown. Um a ball that probably would have been completed by some other quarterback. And excuse me one second. It's not arm strength. It's he just has no feel for it. He's got a good arm. That's something if I was Dak Prescott, I would spend a good amount of my time post-practice working on. Working on that deep ball, getting those guys. I mean, it's a lot on your receivers to be running those deep balls because it's not as simple as standing back and trying to drop a ball in a trash can 50 yards away. Yeah. It's not that. It's measuring a guy's speed and dropping a ball in not only in stride, but over this shoulder. And so he that's the worst part of his game as a worst thrower. part. I agree. So as such, I think Mike McCarthy's of the mindset of, I don't want to incorporate a bunch of those throws if they're not what it is he does well. I will say this, technically speaking, for all the football nuts out there, third down and four, change that route that you keep throwing, which is the fade, to a slant. 
Um, the problem is, Emil, those guys aren't really getting a bunch of separation either. I'm telling you this as someone who sat there and I had to watch their offense because I like to do that before uh, mm -hmm. the Cardinals play. So take a deep dive, watching the coaches copy. Those guys aren't really getting separation. You're throwing those fade balls because Gallup is a good 50-50 ball guy. CeeDee Lamb's a big guy. Take the ball away, but he's just not good enough. And those guys don't get separation on their routes. They just really don't. CeeDee Lamb's not good off the line of scrimmage. He's very much like a DeAndre Hopkins. I don't care about my release. I'm just going to win when the ball comes. Okay, fine. That's what it is. So, Dak, let's start converting some of those to slant routes, maybe quick outs, maybe rollouts. Let's stop throwing that fade on third and four. It goes out of bounds. It hits someone in the back of the head. Stop that. That's it's frustrating. That's, as, it is. as a fan, it's But it's not a part of his game. That's yeah. like trying to run a toss to your fullback. He's not – that's not what he yeah. does. You understand right. what I mean? So I think they need to tweak a few things. But by golly, man, they didn't come out ready to play as an entire unit, okay? You you, you were off sides. You had these penalties. You were getting them on both sides of the ball. And you just weren't flowing. I think they had – Did you see the play curse? You're talking offside. My God. I saw it on TV. I'm sitting with four people in the room. I said, that guy's lined up offside. He's standing on the line of scrimmage. Walk down the line. I'm you're, telling you're... you, there were other plays where guys were lined up offsides. And I think the referees were just like, man, we can't do this every play. So I don't know what that was about, but I just saw. And then the turnovers. You had the turnovers. Um, so they just, as a team, weren't ready. I think the Cowboys got too charged up. And they got out of whack. They got too hyped up for this game. They got out of whack. Because, man, I didn't realize just how how much of a rivalry this is. I know the history. But just currently, I didn't realize there's so much beef between these two teams. I well, sincerely I mean, hope this happens again. The history is important, too, for people out there listening to the show or watching it. Going into that game... Those two, these two teams have had met 39 times over the course of their history, counting the playoffs. Mm. Each team had won 19 games with a tie. I mean, that's yeah. about, I mean, the, the, that series now stands at uh, 20 for the 49ers, 19 for the Cowboys with a tie. It's a rivalry. They knocked Dallas out the last two playoffs. I get it. Okay. But I think you're on to something in that respect. I think Dallas did a little too much of this, if you can see me chirping. Their defense talks a good game. We A lot of them guys, and you know more than me, and I'll let you go on this. When I'm watching it, I I think Parsons in that game especially was used incorrectly. To me, he looked like a, a dog playing in traffic. Like he was just chasing things. And, and I, it's, it's annoying to me. They may have overthought it and tried to do a little too much with him. That's what, uh, you know, an early game in a season like this is for. Um I think it would be a damn good football game in a rematch. I hope we get it just for the sake of football. I hope we get, uh, you know, a rematch with these two teams in the playoffs, hopefully in, you know, the NFC championship. But I will also say this, Emil, that San Francisco 49ers defense is something to behold. All right. You're talking to a defensive guy here. They get after it. The biggest defense, uh, the biggest difference between, the 49ers and the Cowboys, which I think are the two one-two defenses, if not in the league, definitely in the NFC, is that the Cowboys kind of got to do some blitzing to get pressure. The 49ers can stay in their little standard base defense and get after you.
And if they don't pressure you, they get to the football really quick. So if you're Dak Prescott and you know they have that play, they like to swing the ball to the running back really quick if everything falls off. Well, the 49ers will fall off in coverage and give you that little swing and they'll throw the swing. And my God, they're there. It's a two-yard gain at best. So they're just so good on defense. They're going to make your quarterback look bad. I don't know if anyone's had a what could be considered a big game on the 49ers. So everyone's going to hate their quarterback the week after the 49ers game. That's just the facts. I think the other problem I see with, at least right now with Dallas is they, they have to, and I'm not sure as his talent. I mean, they got some big guys inside now with Hankins and, and Smith from Michigan. They've got to do a better job stopping the run. I mean, I don't know enough. Again, this is something you can comment on. But I, from what I see from 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 a guy who's not a, a coach watching their ends, a lot of times don't maintain any type of control of their gaps. A lot of times you'll see runs to me get outside where it's like, well, wait, you're, you're just chasing the ball inside. You're getting you're you're almost blocking yourself out of the play. They're concerned with rushing the passer. And yes. Yeah. And that needs to get tempered down. You know what, man? I trust. um I trust their defensive coordinator. You know that. You know I'm a big, yeah. uh, I'm a big supporter there, and I'm sure he'll get that stuff tweaked and worked out. So, you listen. I guess this is what you sign up for when you a become a quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. It's like being a point guard for the Lakers or a shortstop for the Yankees. I guess this is what you sign up for. And when you also sign a mega contract, um, I guess this is what you sign. Which up isn't for. a mega contract anymore. It's basically the same contract Daniel Jones has. So that's my last question on this topic. Before we move it along, I think the way this season ends and the manner at which it ends will will go a long way, no matter what Jerry Jones says right now, to determining if Dak gets his next contract in Dallas. Because the next contract, the market's going to have him over fifty million. Doesn't matter, you know what he is in terms of the reality. It's what he's getting paid now versus yeah, correct. So if you're Dallas, you've got to, at least if you're sane, and I'm not sure Jerry's sane. And when would that be? That he's signed through next year. So, But their decision will be in this offseason. Because with a year left, if you're moving on, you're going to move him for something to a team that is desperate for a quarterback. What would you do, Emil? I have to see how this year ends because I'm going to tell you something as a professional sports fan, which you, you're all Call you're it right all, now. Call it right now. What would I'm you not, Here's why right now at this moment, what would you do? I can't pay him. And I'm going to tell you why the worst thing in professional sports. And you know, this is to be mediocre, to be nine and eight, to be 10 and seven, be good enough to get in the playoffs, mm. but have no chance to win it. That's the worst thing. Fans will say, Oh yeah, but you, you got it. You're in it every year. You know, you're not in it. In other words, you, when you, you have teams that they make the playoffs and, and you, you know, everybody will go to those that one giant team that went nine and seven. That team had a ton of talent. They had injuries. They're, most teams getting in the playoffs at nine and eight, they know they're not winning the Super Bowl. Almost all of them do. Yeah. Um, I understand that. And so your question, uh, your your answer would be go go grab a guy in a draft. If you're making me answer right now, now listen, I, I reserve the right to change my opinion on the show. If, sure. if he gets hot and things change and they're in the NFC championship game, Okay, then he's demonstrated an ability to get them to the next level. Would this have been your feeling after the Giants game? 
Uh, be honest about that. There's nothing I saw in the Giants game that made me think he was playing great football, but that's a hard game to judge on. Because a lot of stuff early, happened defensively. And it was raining. Yeah. But, but I'll say this. Even after the Patriots game, and I'm, I swear on this, I wasn't feeling great about Dak. Mm. I didn't see an efficient offense being run. I saw a team that was dominating on defense and giving their quarterback an easy game from that point forward. Just don't screw it up, kid. <laughs> well, my feeling on Dak is um, he's good enough if you don't factor in his contract. When you factor in his contract, it gets tough for me to keep making these cases because because of the money that you're making, we're probably missing something somewhere else. So you're going to have to play better. And when you're making that kind of money, we're going to have to win. You're going to have to win us some games. But, uh, and that's my you just hit the nail head. Take Brock Purdy, right? Kid played great. But here's what fans forget. And I'm he may be great, but we won't know that until at some point he gets big money. And the 49ers don't have a stake on every other plate right now. He's making $700,000 a year. So they have a stake on every plate. They got two good receivers, really good tight end. They got the backup running backs are even good behind McCaffrey. Okay. He's protected. Well, when that changes and he's making $50 million a year, if that comes about now, as you said, he's going to have to go win some games. That's what you rely when the guy's making 40, 50 million a year at that position. That's my judgment of Dak. If you said Dak makes a million bucks a year, I'd be like, great. <laughs> He's good enough. You know, I'm glad you brought this up because it reminds me of something that touched, um, that came into my head as I was on the plane back from Arizona this weekend. Uh, in my mind, Brock Purdy is going to be the reason to not pay uh, quarterbacks in the future. I think when you start getting guys – when you see a Dak Prescott that came in, fifth rounder, sixth rounder? Fourth. Fourth Late rounder. Fourth. Sorry, Dak. Fourth rounder that performed, and the team was doing well on that rookie contract, and then he got the big money, and they are unhappy. I'm not saying they're – I mean, this is one, you know, two losses here. Um, and then you see a Brock Purdy where, okay, we've got this mystery relevant guy doing well here. Why do I want to, unless I get a Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Why would I, for the four years that I've got a guy like that, I keep drafting quarterbacks, as you've always said. Keep drafting quarterbacks, and then why not let a guy, unless you're Mahomes, who can run left and throw right, right and throw left, throw behind your back, or you're Justin Herbert, or you're some other. Oh, I feel like that's the kind of talent what you're describing. You're going to get your first pick this year in Caleb Williams. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's very athletic. Now, some of the stuff he does, we can get on that a different day. I agree. But I would you. have four years of of him at a, at a low price, at evaluating him, and then man, yes. if I, and I'm drafting a quarterback every year. Maybe one year it's a third rounder. Maybe one year it's a sixth rounder. Maybe one year it's Mister Irrelevant. And I what was Dak's have... best year as a Cowboy? The first year. They yeah. were 13-3. and three. Aaron Rodgers upset them in the divisional round. But he came in. He played efficient football. The Cowboys had a good roster. You know? Yeah. And, you know, I mean... I, I, Emil, again, I'm saying this to say, I hate the NFL for its salary cap. I hate it for it. And I kind of loosely went through some things. I, these aren't exact things. 
salary cap was instituted in 1994. Right. 1994 season. The rookie salary cap, 2011. Right. From 94 on, we've had 15 different Super Bowl champs, I believe is the loose number, give or take. You're close. The whole time up before that, which extends about 30 years, I think, right? 13. How much more did we change the parity of the game by instituting that salary cap? The salary cap was never about parity, and that's what, you know, we're on to a little bit different topic, but it's a good discussion, so let's have it. It was never about parity. Don't tell me that. The salary cap was purely about rich guys wanting to stop other rich guys who, who don't care about the money because some of them do. Mm. In other words, in baseball, your guy, George Steinbrenner, the late, great George Steinbrenner, damn, all he wanted to do was win baseball games. And if a guy was out there to win him a baseball game and there was a, a money a lot of money he had to pay, he went and got him. Mm. Good for George. He hung a lot of, he hung a lot of banners. NFL owners, there's guys out there in this league that don't want to spend money. Why are they rewarded? Well, I agree with you, but that's for, and I'm sorry, I can say it, you don't have to. That's for the Bidwell family. That's for the Brown family. That's for a bunch of these cheap guys over the years, and I know the Browns just paid Joe Burrow. They had to. Got him to a Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Some of these guys are notoriously cheap, and they don't want – the Jerry Joneses of the world. So you'll be a trash franchise. Listen, but that's, I mean, Emily, that's I was my, really all right with seeing the bags over the head for the saints. When I was a kid, the, listen, that's why I honest to God, I, I say it all the time. That's it's nothing more. And even agents, that's why the baseball players union, they've always had the best union. Don't ever forget that. You'll never see a real salary cap in baseball. Yeah. Um, a luxury tax. Okay, fine. Whatever. I just hate that. A guy becomes an enemy of the team the moment he gets paid. The moment a guy gets some uh, gets a salary, gets his just due in this league, he is instantly an enemy of the team. You are stopping us from being good because you want all that well, money. We I would this argue, that and money. I would argue with you. Part of that is if if you look at the if you look at the way the game is designed, because of the salary cap the game has tilted quarterback heavy because you look at it, you look at football. Okay. There's 22 guys on the field at one time, 60 guys on a roster, give or take with the practice squad. The one guy that touches the ball, half the game is the quarterback. So if I'm going to invest my money, I have to have a good quarterback. If I don't have a good quarterback, I have almost no chance of winning. That's the logic. I think that's happened in this league because of the salary cap, you no longer can build teams that are really strong and the quarterback's okay because you just don't have enough money. The quarterback controls every aspect. I, I, I suppose because they require so much, but we just saw a mega Sunday night showdown between a fourth round pick and Mr. Irrelevant. So do True. better evaluation. But he also had, he, he, he came into a great situation. Jimmy Garoppolo had them to an NFC championship game. He was getting paid a lot more. They already had a good team surrounding him. And it was almost like it just, the timing's perfect. But let's be honest. There's a reason you don't see a lot of that too, even though we're both saying we would try it. Wouldn't the reverse be true of what you said? Couldn't I do more of the Brock Purdy thing and pay all these other guys around 
Couldn't I do that? It seems to work for Alabama and Ohio State in college. Well, you're advocating that. And actually, I agree with you. I think what you're saying is, what I'm saying is right now, the strategy in the NFL, I think, is let's get that guy. Let's get Mahomes. We'll pay him $55 million, And now we can have a left tackle that makes a million bucks because he can evade the rush and he has, he has a howitzer attached to his shoulder. I like your strategy better. Let me fill this team with is that a really good? It's a team game, right? It's the ultimate right. team game. I've got 11 on offense, 11 on defense. Why am I lumping it all into one guy who can tear right. the Achilles on opening night against the Bills? Why don't I get a guy who can execute my offense, but he's throwing to Justin Jefferson on the left and to Chase, Jamar Chase on the right, and he's got Derrick Henry in the backfield? Why wouldn't I do that? No, listen, I – I agree, and I think the four. I'm saying I think the you're on to something, and I'm just trying to say where I think the game is now is is where I, what I said. I kind of like where where you have it going now, and I think some teams may open their eyes to this because, like, well, let's be honest. If you have enough, you know, the one team I'm really going to be interested in seeing if they do this, the cool. San Francisco 49ers. I cannot wait until it's Brock Purdy's time to come to the table. And you have a Kyle Shanahan who really believes in his offensive system and his genius. And what does he do there? Matter of fact, their next, this is pretty second year. So four years, I believe. Although they'll have to, they'll have they'll, the talks will start next year. I want to see what they do in the draft the next couple of years. Well, he may and only I'm, be on a, wait, he may only be on a three-year contract. He might. So they're probably, so like, what do you do in the fourth through seventh round? Do you mess around and grab a next Brock Purdy and realizing what might be happening here? He's that great. And mind you, I've watched him. The kid throws the ball where he needs to. He makes really good decisions, and he's very accurate. He executes that offense exactly the way Kyle Shanahan needs it and wants it to be executed. But are they out there looking for the next Brock Purdy for $700,000 a year? That's going to be very interesting for me to see. It is. It is. Hey, how you doing? Donnie two times here. And of course, the pleasure's all yours. But let's talk about making some bets and making some cash. If you're trying to do this the right way and not the wrong way, Bovada Sportsbook is the house where you need to be making your wages. My cousin Anthony, who works down in the casinos in Vegas, lays his wages with the guys at Bovada. And if cousin Anthony is doing it, then you know you gotta be doing it too. The folks at Bovada have the greatest lines, top of the line customer service, and here's the best part. They get the money from the big winners into your hand fast. Click that link in the description to open your account now. You know what I'm talking about. All right, well, we moving beat, along. We beat that we, horse, didn't we? You, we could do a while on that one, and it's going to be great for all Cowboys and 49er fans that are listening in here. Hey, listen, Emil, you picked them, and I'm kind of happy. I don't know why things like this work out. I've been watching college football since the 70s, all right, to date myself. And you feel free to go ahead and date yourself even more. But I've been watching it since the 70s, too. Since the 80s that I can really remember, Oklahoma, Texas, Blue Bloods, really good football teams. Of course, they were good before that time, but just in my lifetime. I don't know why I've always taken more to Oklahoma than Texas. Maybe it's Bosworth. Maybe it's the wishbone. Maybe it's Jamel Holloway. Maybe it's the cocaine and all the stories that came out of the Barry Switzer uh, era. But I've always been more for Oklahoma than for Texas. 
except when Vince Young was there. You know, Vince is my guy. It's the only time I leaned more onto Texas than Oklahoma. So to see Oklahoma go and win, that's the outcome I wanted your pick aside. I wanted to see Oklahoma back for a number of reasons, and I've stated some of them. And then also, you know, I'm a Venables guy. When he was going through his stuff last year, in the back of my mind, I said, this guy will get it fixed if the fans will allow him to do that. So it's good to see that come back. My fear, though, for Oklahoma, Amal, is they're going to have to do this again, and it's going to be tough to beat Texas in a Big 12 championship game. But OU is back, baby. Well, I mean, first of all, you know, I've always taken, you know, I'm a USC fan. I like Miami, as, as a, and I like Oklahoma and, and Texas. I'm not in the middle of the rivalry. So someone would say, that's like saying you like UCSC and UCLA. I'm not a fan, per se, of one or the other. So I actually like to see Oklahoma and Texas. They're two teams I like to see do well. I like Oklahoma more, too. Growing up as a kid, I always loved Barry Switzer. I mean, I was a USC fan, but in the 70s, I used to love a good Barry Switzer interview. Um, and then I remember Bosworth and I remember the shooting in the tower when the kid from Miami got hit with the snowball. Yes. And shot his gun off. And I mean, it's just, we have a fam, a deceased family member that married into our family. So I won't name names. He played at Arkansas for a couple of years. Mm. And he told a funny story when, when he was friends with uh, uh, Barry Switzer's son. Okay. He played at Arkansas because apparently he wasn't good enough to play at Oklahoma back then. Weren't all those guys like from Arkansas, Jimmy Barry? Uh, yeah, they're all they're all from they're all from Arkansas. So he went up on a bye week when they had a bye at Arkansas to Oklahoma. He said the guy he said, "Come on, let's go see my dad last game." And he tells stories about this this guy told I mean you know he's not with us any longer. But he's he told a funny story about just what went on up there. He's like he's like Switzer had this huge office. He had liquor in the office. There's people outside the window. He's opening the window, yelling to the fans. He's like, it was, he goes, it's exactly how you would picture it. Nuts. <laughs> I read the book by Charles Thompson, the backup to Jamel Holloway in the 80s, the quarterback that went to prison for cocaine and all kinds of other things. Emil, if you ever find that book anywhere, it might be on eBay or Amazon. Read it. It was, I was a page turner. And this is in a time when, you know, I've always read, but I wasn't a big reader at this time because I just had so much going on. I mean, you know, I'm a 20 something in college, man. Uh, they had a good time. So listen, it was good to see o- OU come back. Emil, I'm just thinking about it. Texas and OU have been down for some time. Sure. They're coming back now. And these are two of the best teams in college football. Um, we can argue that both of them could be in the top five of college football teams. If they didn't play each other, um, we very well could see that happening at the end. But these two teams are now going into the SEC. And maybe when this whole thing was made of OU and Texas going, they were kind of, they were mid to use that term. But now they are what they are and they're being added to that conference. My God, it's going to be very hard to get out of the SEC in years to come, if this is what they're bringing. Well, well that, and that's why the 12, you know, as these two, I mean, you look at the SEC and the Big Ten, right? The Big Ten is murderer's row. I mean, you got a lot of, I mean, you know, it's. it's yeah, it's, well, what's coming got, now, yes. I mean, you know, you, you, you got Michigan, you got Ohio State, you got USC. There's three of the biggest names in the history of college football. I, I do you have to admit State. something. I, I do yeah. have to admit something. Um, the conference realignment, I was kind of out on. Yeah. 
I think, Emil, it's giving us what it is we really treasure as football fans. Because we spend the offseason. Yeah, real games. The great <laughs> games that you plan yeah. your Saturday around. You cuss your friends out for getting married in the in the, yeah. in the fall. Um, you get in fights with your wife over. Or you don't bathe for an entire Saturday because of these kind of games. And this is what we love college football for. So the conference alignment is really starting to look like a great thing. Let's be honest, right? The only thing that makes, and I'm saying this as a general statement, because some people are going to say you're crazy. I like college better anyway. But the only thing that makes the NFL probably better to follow during the year is that, you know, on any Sunday, anybody can win. And that's true. Sure. College, let's be honest. I pick up my schedule and I say, USC is playing Cal this week. I'm not excited. How do you think the players feel? No, you're following one team. Yes. Yes. But if you're a weekly guy, what's the big games? We're going to get. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is it's going to be good because I think as we get this realignment, the schedule is going to be littered with good games for every team. Yes. Because let's be honest, if I'm a fan and I'm not excited, the kid playing probably isn't either. No, um, <laughs> unless you're a, unless you're a freshman itching to get in a game. Yes, you are correct. Um, yeah. So, so what I'm saying is, I want, and I think the 12 team playoff is coming at the perfect time. Yes, you're going to get some three loss teams that play in really good conferences that are going to make the playoff, and that's a good thing. And they might be, season, they might be hot at the end of the year and be a problem in a playoff that's because your season won't be over if you lose two games. Because that's always been the bitch as, as a football fan. It's like, you can lose two games early in the year. And, and I'll give you an example for my team. And I, I know Miami has examples. Back in 2002, Carson Palmer's Heisman year, USC lost an early game at a, to a very good Kansas State team on the road by seven. Then they got beat in overtime to a very good Washington State team by like three. That was like the fifth game of the year. They were three and two. They won every other game. They destroyed a top five or top six Iowa team in the Orange Bowl. They finished ranked like third in the country. Well, again, they were the season was over in terms of winning the national championship after five weeks, and that's happened to other teams. How about us and what? How about us in two thousand? Lost that early game to Washington, correct? And we didn't go. We sent Florida State to go get sacrificed. It might have been ninety nine or two thousand when Oklahoma. No, no, no. I remember the game. Thirty. I think it was thirty four twenty nine. I think I almost remember the score if I got it. Yeah, I yeah. I think you are right. Yeah. So, so my point is, this is going to be good for. I think, as far as a fan of football, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm down with the players getting paid and the portal. I, I'm not sure I still like that, but it is. What I'm it still is. in the evaluation process of that because. I do like how quickly it has allowed a team like a program like Colorado to turn around um, and a program like Florida state to clean their act up. It, it, I kind of like that. I, I just got to see portal, the portal. I'll be honest with you. I think the portal is going to do more for parity. Yes. In college. And, and I think where people who are, who are really, really railing against it, they're missing the one thing, right? In the old, old days and i won't even go back old days like 70s in the last 25 years the blue bloods the ohio states oklahoma's usc's miami's notre dame's you pick them whoever your team is those teams that you would consider top 15 blue blood type programs their third string was better than most of the team's first string that they were playing yes 
at least seven or eight times every season, they run on the field. And you know, I call them the tunnel game. You run through the tunnel, you won. It's just a matter of what the score is. That game is, 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 is going away because now that kid who's third team looks and he says, well, you know, I'm still going to be on TV. I can leave Ohio state. I can go to Minnesota. I'm picking Minnesota. I can go to Indiana. I'm still going to be on the big 10 network. I'm still going to be on ABC. Right. And I got a shot to play. Right. No, I, I agree. Um, the reason I say I'm evaluating the NIL because I do like what it's doing for potentially keeping players in college football. I do. Yeah. I, the only problem like that. with that becomes, I always said, you know, when college kids were amateurs, I always said, I'll, I'll go after the way the kid played, but I won't go after the kid. You know what I mean? I'll say that was a dumb mistake, but I don't treat it like professionals. That's not what Twitter says. Well, I know, but I, I'm saying for me, damn though, I see, I see my, and he, a, a guy I love, but I see him every Saturday on Wendy's commercials, Caleb Williams. Hmm. He's essentially a professional quarterback. I mean, basically soon enough, he would be, you know, if, even if the NIL didn't exist, it'd be tomorrow and he would be over there. So um, at the end of the day, man, OU's back. Good to have you back. OU, Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy for Brent Venables. We'll see what happens in that big 12. Great drive, by the way. That kid engineered a hell of a drive uh, yeah. under pressure to win that game. That'll go down in, in Texas, Oklahoma lore. No, a great game, by the way. Yeah. Great game. And it was good to have both a great game in these two teams being back all right i've we, i gotta deal with this Amel. i've gotta deal with it um saturday night by the way went to the colorado arizona state game. oh yeah yeah more on that later but so i'm at that game afterwards going out to having a bite to eat not particularly paying attention um in depth to the georgia tech miami game figured this would just be an easy win for miami should know better there's always a saturday where Wild stuff happens, and I'm following on the phone. So I see Miami goes up 20 to 17 after struggling. Then they have the ball back. Okay, put this baby to bed, close the phone, engage in the conversation with the people at the table, and I get a text saying, hey, are you watching this Miami game? It's like, yeah. It's Is that me? Because I because I was... <laughs> No, my son sends me a text saying, are you watching this Miami game? I was like, no, should I be? Because it seemed like it was over. He goes, "No, you're gonna need to. You're gonna need to watch this." <laughs> and by the time I got to the open the scores app, 20, 23 to twenty loss, and I'm wondering how in the hell. So I hear that. I first of all, when I go, I see what happened. I see the final play. I didn't know anything about the knee. I see the final play, and I'm pissed about that. How the hell? With that amount of time that I see on the clock, did those guys, did that receiver get behind you? I'm pissed off about that. Yeah. To double down on my anger and bewilderment, <laughs> I find out that a knee was not taken in a situation where a knee should be taken. Then I come to find out, and I should have known this, but you know, I tend to check out on easy games. He Mario Cristobal doesn't take knees. I'm not here to fillet him. He'll battle back from this. However, I sincerely if I know I know you guys played together, so I'm not gonna ask you a flaw, I sincerely hope, yes. Explain that to me. Explain this to me. What does that mean? I don't take a knee. Like I don't understand. I think it's a mentality that he has that he wants to establish with his teams that we don't stop, we keep coming until the whistle. It's it's something you would get from an offensive lineman who had been taught from day one, snap to whistle. 
So if there's time on the clock, we're playing ball, blah, blah, blah. Then I was surprised to learn that this very same thing happened while he was at Oregon against Stanford. So Emil, it wasn't blown up quite as much, which just goes to show what it is to be at a certain program doing what it is that you do. This is obviously everywhere, and it's twice now. I sincerely hope that my former teammate and a guy I like, Mario Cristobal, when next you find yourself in a game in that situation where you've got it sewed up and you need to just go ahead and salt the game away by getting in victory formation and taking these, that you divorce yourself from this thing that you have and never do that again because it's just- I, I can att- I can attest to the Oregon game, okay, because as a Pac-12 guy- Don't tell me you- Soon Don't to tell be me a wager, Soon to be a former Pac-12 guy. Yeah. Um, I can attest to that. Here's the thing. Start your own tradition if you want to. Like a lot of times when the Cowboys win a big game, they'll honor Coach Landry. For those of you who aren't old enough, go back and look it up. The old Cowboys used to do a, a, a their line every play would do a famous up and down. You know, yes. the Dallas line to get set. I don't think it's the same effect. It's not a traditional thing. It's a men- It's a mindset. I understand but start a traditional thing do something i don't know put a you up okay and then take a knee because there's no reason it's to, just strategy it's the same man. thing i said to you a couple weeks ago there was a game oh the eagle game they're playing the commanders a couple weeks ago minute left in the game they're in field goal range the commanders all they, they have one timeout left you're going to run the ball center of the field call your timeout we're going to get down three seconds we're going to kick the field goal go home they throw a pass over the top, kid scores a minute left. I'm sitting over my cell. I said, that's a problem. Yeah. 31-24. Well, the only way you can lose the game now is if the other team gets the ball back. Commanders go down and score and send it in overtime. Now, for the Eagles, it worked out. It's called strategy. <laughs> okay. Yes. <This> is- <laughs> so, while you might be wanting to build a mentality on one end, the other end is win the game. Let's win the game. Show you guys how to win games. Let's close it out. Um, I could tell you as someone who's been on not a whole bunch of them, I, I'm proud to say I've not lost a lot of football games in my life, but it's more frustrating to be on the end of the team is taking the knee and I cannot do anything about it. They're going to win the game. And I know it for a full minute and a half, as opposed to you, goody, run that guy up in there. We're going to punch at that ball. The poor guy's probably going to get bruised ribs. We're going to destroy his forearm and his bicep. We might even take his wrist and put it on his on the back of his head to get that ball out. Like you're even putting your player at risk. So I listen, I think he's been through it all. He had to get on, he had to do the post-game press conference. He had to get on radio Monday and talk about it. And, you know, Twitter's doing their thing, crucifying him. All of Florida State and the Florida fans of all people who are in the midst of like one of the worst stretches since Charlie Pell are on his head about it. I will say this, when they're beating North Carolina at the end of the game this weekend, in Carolina, in Chapel Hill, you better take a damn knee. You know the mentality, before we go on, it just reminds me, and our friend that does picks on the show could appreciate this, it it would be like if you're a boxing fan, okay, and Mick goes, kid, you're up, you're up on every card, 13 rounds, and you go, hey, Mick. I don't care. I don't dance around out there. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give it to him. And then you get knocked I, out. I actually like that. Out. 
Yeah, you get knocked out, right? You don't do that. You see, when Mick tells you, stay away from him. He's a killer. You're up on every card. You take a knee. Yes, that's when you need Donnie two times over the guy. Hey, what do you do? Hey, get in the corner. What do you do? Yeah, I got so, money on you. Yeah, what's the freaking <laughs> guy doing? But um, yeah. So I hope we never see that again. It's a horrible way to lose a football game. Um, of course. People were showing the and and then on top of that, the kid was actually down. I feel like the referees were sending a message um, to you know. It's funny. A game like that teaches us all a lesson because if, if you're not a pro fan per se, you just like pro football. You divorce yourself. But if you're a fan in pro football, a win's a win. You don't care. College fans tend to get a little touchy. points. Oh yeah, we didn't look good. Well, you know when you appreciate the fact that just winning is what matters. 20 to 17 with a W effort. I don't care who you're playing, Georgia Tech. Hey, listen, Georgia. man, 10 years from now, you can make up whatever story you want about Georgia you Tech. Want to make up. If it's a win, it's a win. And I don't care if you play Georgia, Georgia Tech, whatever, you win 20 to 17 is a lot better than losing like that. A dub is a dub, man. And listen, I want to say, you know, for every um, national champ that we thought was a juggernaut, there was a booger game in there. The 2001 team with Ed Reed ripping the ball out of the defensive end's arms to score against Boston College to make it an 18-11, 18-7 game. And that's widely considered the best team in college football history. Some some days you yeah. just have a booger, but you got to leave with a W. Hey, so. There's 14 undefeated teams left so far right now, right? Two of them, they're in the top 10. Florida State has a game you can't explain. If they play Boston College 20 times, 19 times they're winning by two or more touchdowns. Sure. They they won by two. And we just talked about USC a little bit. You know, if they played Arizona 20 times, they probably beat them by two or more touchdowns, 18 or 19. They won by two. That's college football. You're going to have games like that. It if you want to just figure out a way to win, like Herman Edwards, we play to win the To game. win the game. You know how they say on any given Sunday – on any given Saturday, you can have a booger game. And when you're a 21-point favorite, um, sitting in a whirl of hell with the final seconds twicking, ticking off the clock. All right, we've got to get into our college football segment here, the picks. And we're going to go through, give our picks, and then we'll talk about some of the bigger games perhaps. You want to do the recap first so people can realize just the type of quality. Oh, we got to do a recap. How? What? Are you kidding me? That's we got to recap. recap. So let by me the go. way, by the way, hold on, Emil. I do need to – I told you I would touch back on the Colorado-Arizona State game. So, hey, I find myself in Arizona, forgot, didn't even really realize that the Colorado Buffaloes, Coach Prime Shadur Sanders' show was in town. So I couldn't resist. I went, went to the game. It was a little ho-hum for a minute because, as Dion said, Colorado came out and they played like hot garbage. But it got really interesting at the end. In the midst of it, had a couple guys sitting behind me. Looked like a couple frat guys, but they said they had, you know, graduated already from Arizona State, who bet on the game and they had Colorado, and that launched me into a discussion about, hey, yeah, I picked Colorado too on my podcast. So I talked to them, showed them the whole podcast and everything. So we've got two new fans here on the show that um, started following us and said they're going to watch, but anyway, and I appreciate you guys for being honest enough to admit that you went to the school and bet against them. Hey man, a parlay win is a parlay <laughs> win. Parlay win. <laughs> so yeah, like me, they thought Colorado would get the win. Colorado goes up. They've got the cover and they let these guys go down the field 
and scored a little tying touchdown. I think. And I then was- I got a text from you at that point that said, I'm about to get screwed here. Yeah, I think I'm about <laughs> to get screwed. So I saw a great football game, college atmosphere, Arizona State. They know how to party um, even when they lose the game. So that was a good thing. And out of that, we I lost the pick, but I got two new subscribers and watchers. Well, and two new, hopefully we're going to make these guys some money this weekend. We were four and two last week combined in college. Both of us were two and one. Chad gave you his loser. He just talked about it. He had Colorado minus four and a half, uh, but he had two nice winners, Texas Tech minus point and a half, Iowa minus two and a half. So good, good job there. Another two in one week, 15. I'm not, I'm not misspeaking here. Anybody who's out there listening. He's 15 and three on the year in college football. Amel. Two out of those three losses involve Colorado. They're on the list, man. I can't do They're that. On the do not bet list, but don't bet. Don't bet against. I'm done with them. But yes, if you're listening picks, and you're using Chad's picks, you're, you're yeah, your bookie's in in bankruptcy right now. He's in um, hell. He's out of business. I put him out of business. He's out of business. So I went two and one. I'm up to ten and eight. So what's that combined? Twenty five and eleven. That's good work is what it is. I had Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry plus six and a half. I didn't need it. I wasn't going to need it if they, even if they lost, they covered, they won outright. Then I had Louisville plus six and a half. I didn't need it there. An outright winner against Notre Dame. And then I made a mistake on the Trojans. I usually, yeah, you know, they're not on my sheet a lot this year, but I thought they would play better than they did Saturday. They fell behind 17, nothing. I give them some credit because they got up off the mat. It's easy, as you know, in sports when you're down 17 nothing to say, see you later. <laughs> Absolutely. So they took the loss for me. I'm 10 and 8. Uh, I'll go first. Then you'll go with yours. You'll follow into the NFL. How about we do that? Works for me. Okay. We're going to start off. I'm coming right back uh, to a team I was tempted to take last week, and I didn't. Fortunately, they didn't cover. I think this week – it's a blowout win for them. And I'm going with Florida State, minus 17 and a half. They were a little sloppy last week against Virginia Tech. That was a game they probably made a lot closer than it should have been at home. And now they get a wounded Syracuse team coming in, coming off a huge, I, I 40 to 7, I think it was, against North Carolina. I don't think it gets much better for them this week. I'm going to grab Florida State, minus 17 and a half. Uh, I'm coming right back. Listen, this is two weeks in a row, pre-show, Chad and I were talking about this. Arizona, their starting quarterback, who was a transfer from Washington State, he played there last year, got hurt uh, early in the year. And this kid that came in is, I believe he's from Hawaii. He's a redshirt freshman. This kid's a real player. Played against Washington. Arizona lost 31-24. Played last week against USC. They lost 43-41. Obviously, two top 10 teams. One score games. Bookies don't believe it. Arizona's catching eight and a half this week at Washington State. I know Washington State's off a tough loss to UCLA, but I I think this is a game where Arizona once again hangs around. You're getting more than a touchdown. I'm going to grab them plus eight and a half. And then finally, we spent a good 15 minutes crucifying Miami. Okay. If their week of practice this week, isn't focused and they don't come out pissed off. I'm going to have serious questions about Miami. They're on the road. I know. And I know North Carolina is undefeated, but I'm getting three and a half points with a team. That's at least on par, if not better talent wise, roster wise than North Carolina. I'm going to grab Miami plus the three and a half. I think this is an outright win for them. 
I, I have a feeling Carolina is going down this week. I think you're going to get a very pissed off Miami team. So I'm going with Florida State minus 17 and a half, Arizona plus eight and a half, Miami plus three and a half. Sounds good. You got the alma mater in there. The pick's got to be great. I'll I'll ride with all of that. I tend to stay away from numbers like the one that you've got with Florida State. They don't just really work out for me. So I try I try to stay in my lane there. But uh, I can agree with uh, with your logic on that one. All right, here's what I'm doing. Staying in the Big 12 because the Big 12 has been good to me. Kansas is traveling to Oklahoma State. This is not the Oklahoma State that we've been used to over the years. One of the most consistent coaches in college football and programs over the last few years has been Oklahoma State. They're really not on par right now. They came into that game last week against Kansas State, a game that they were able to pull out two and two with losses to South Alabama and, and, and uh, oh, Iowa State. I feel like that's more of the team that Oklahoma State is. They did have a bye week going into that Kansas State game. So I think that has helped in keeping this line down against a Kansas team that's ranked number 23 in the country. People are having a hard time of coming into the whole idea that yet again, Kansas is a good football team. They have sucked so bad. Jayhawk football has not been anything that people can wrap their arms around. And while people are resistant to wrap their arms around the Kansas Jayhawks, I'm going to come in and give them the big hug. They flexed their muscle last week. Not only is Kansas winning games, Emil, but they are going out and trouncing people, which is what they did to UCF. By the way, UCF, you're tarnishing that 2017 national championship. You are winless in the Big 12. You wanted big-time football, you're getting it, and uh, it's not going too well. But I like the way Kansas is flexing their muscle. Now I feel like they've moved into an area where they can go on the road and win a football game as a favorite against a team that they're better than. So give me Kansas. Three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game against Oklahoma State, staying in the Big 12, which, as I said, has been doing me well. Texas Tech, I put my faith in them last week, and they did it for me, handing that whoop-ass to Baylor on the road. I like it. I happened to watch Texas Tech earlier last uh, earlier this year, and I was I came away impressed. Now, at the time that I came away impressed, they were 1-2, and two, and they had just beaten Charlton State, so on paper, they weren't all that hot. But this is a good football team. In back-to-back weeks, they've hung a 49-28 on Houston, and they absolutely filleted Baylor. This is not a great Baylor team, but they, they filleted Baylor last week, 39-14. This is a good football team that I don't think they're being respected with this line, um, and they're 1.5 in this game. I'll take them against Kansas State, who's coming in. They might be a little... Um, little too chapped, a little too caught up on what happened to them last week against Oklahoma State. Now I'm going to slide on over to the Big Ten and not a team that you think of um, when you think of the Big Ten and not a team you think of a whole lot of winning when you think about this team. But it is Rutgers who happens to be 4-2 and two on the season and they're getting the mighty Michigan State team that is in a complete and total disarray for reasons we don't need to get into once again on this show. Just know that Michigan State is a whole mess right now. They have lost three in a row. I don't see any light at the tunnel for them, though they gave a good effort against Iowa. They still were 10, you know, double-digit loss there. They do come into this with two weeks to prepare, but, man, I really like what Rutgers has got going on. Solid football team coming off a loss against a stronger Wisconsin team. I think they come back home um, full of piss and vinegar, as they say, and I like them as three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. So it's Kansas three-and-a-half. It is Texas Tech one-and-a-half. And it is Rutgers, 
I'm sorry. Is what's the number on records? It's I got it. Four wrong. and a half. Four and that a got, half. That got a little. Yeah, that got. Yeah. Sorry about that. Four and a half there for Rutgers. Give me all of that against Michigan State. I'm not scared. Let's go. By the way, don't forget that Texas Tech team is. You know, they took Arizona to the mat. That was a good game. I'm not Oklahoma, Oregon. 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 Yes. Um, it made me think less of Oregon going into that Colorado week, but as it turns out, Texas Tech really is like that. So that's what we've got going yeah. on. Well, it's time to move the NFL. Before you go with your picks, we need to recap the NFL. And uh, the NFL, once again, we destroyed it. Uh, <laughs> it. You, you were 3-0. and You had uh, Atlanta, minus one and a half for a winner. You Barely, but I'll take it. Yeah, the state, the Steelers, nice pick there outright against the Ravens. I will tell you what, one quarter into that game, I was like, nah, this isn't going to work out for me today, but they came alive. And the Ravens have some issues offensively. We'll talk about that next show maybe. We'll see what they do this week in London. Um, and then you had the 49ers. Kudos to you. I mean, they put it to the Cowboys. So you were 3-0. and That pushes your record in the NFL to 11-4. and So I don't want to throw too many numbers at people. If you're not good at math, that means he's 26 and seven combined. I went two and oh, two and one. I had the Jags in London. They got the outright. I took them plus five and a half. I had the Dolphins minus 10 and a half. There's no way I saw the Giants being in that game after what the Dolphins did. I mean, and the score was close, but the game wasn't. No. And then finally, my loss was not. I mean, the Rams hung around all day with the Eagles. Thought you were going to get a cover there. Yeah, yeah, they lost by nine to get four and a half. So I was two and one. I'm nine and six in pros. My record overall is 19 and 14, which normally would be really good, except he's 26 and seven. And if you're really bad at math, we're 45 and 21. So why are you not listening? I listen. If you're paying for picks here, nothing else listen for the picks. (laughs) You better not be paying anyone for their opinion on the games. You should be right here on the two chumps football podcast all right let's rear it up and go with my nfl picks i must admit the slate this week was eh for me so um nevertheless let me not hand out these precursors or any you know whatever i am going to back the chicago bears they got their act together against washington last week in a thursday night game they've had a little extra time to prepare for this contest and i saw some good things there they're kind of turning a corner Are they going to go on some kind of a massive win streak? I don't know. But back-to-back wins for Chicago after losing so many in a row, I think is in the cards here for them. Because if there's someone who has struggled a little bit more than Chicago, it's been Minnesota. Their one win on the season is against Carolina, who's the only remaining winless team on the season. Yeah, Minnesota gave a good fight against Kansas City, and it still ended up with nothing. I think this team's going to be feeling a little listless coming into this game against Chicago. Chicago's trending up, Minnesota trending down, and in this battle of teams with one victory, I like Chicago to reach the two victories before Minnesota. Give me them laying one and a half, uh, actually getting, I believe, two and a half. Am I correct there, Abel? Two. Getting two. I'll take them. Getting two in this contest. I'm going to slide on now. Over to Houston. I am going to back the Houston Texans in this game against New Orleans. I was not a big proponent of the Houston Texans football team coming into this season, but C.J. Stroud has provided them with a certain amount of stability that I didn't expect that he would so early. Kid really looks good out there. And you know what? Houston has a a pretty good football team. They've got a good running game with uh, Damian Pierce and 
Uh, like I said, Stroud's doing well, and his connection with the uh, with the rookie wide receiver seems to be working really well, and they're playing good defense. And New Orleans, I don't know, Emil, how they're getting by, but the clock has to run out on this team. They're off the shutout win over New England. They're going to be too giddy off of that, and I really hate NFL teams off of a shutout win. So I am going to back Houston here as a one-and-a-half-point favorite at home against New Orleans. God help me. I'm going with two um, not-so-hot teams going uh, winning back-to-back football games. And then finally, Tampa Bay had an off week. They had a bye week. They had two weeks to prepare for the mighty Detroit Lions who Amel. I did pick them to win the NFC North this year, and they're even better than I thought they would be. But this is a kind of situation where you get messed up. They start throwing you a little bit too many flowers. They're coming off of the win against Carolina, a blowout win. They might be thinking too much of themselves. And they are on the road next week against Baltimore. So I am going to back a Tampa Bay team that only has one loss here, which is a little bit of a surprise to me. But they're playing good football. Um, And like I said, they've had two weeks to prepare for this contest. They're coming off of a solid game against New Orleans. And um, they played well defensively. And Baker Mayfield has been, what's the word I'm looking for? He's been good for them. He's been efficient. He's, he's been, been efficient. efficient. That's that's it. That's the word. He's been efficient for them. He's not putting them in any kind of a jam. He's letting the team do what it is that they do. And I like them at home in this game. And I believe the number is three, if I'm not mistaken. They're getting Let me recap your picks. First of all, you rip yourself off a half point. The Bears are getting two and a half. So Wait. anybody listening, make sure you're getting at least two and a half. Uh, Texans are plus one and a half. And then we got the Bucks plus three. You can bet all that at Bovada, their show sponsor. So there you go. Yes, okay. those lines coming from our sponsor. I, the I like your strategy here. And by the way, I'm not just saying this. Those three picks, I like them all. I really do. I I, I, I looked at a couple of those games myself. Well, it's good because I agonized over them for quite some time. Now, I'm taking points as well. This is points week. Uh, first, I'm starting with the Washington Commanders. Believe it or not, uh, you know, I, Atlanta barely scraped by the Texan team. And, you know, Washington's kind of at a fork in the road for their season. Goes a couple go a couple directions. They're two and three. They kind of need a win here. Now, I know Atlanta's a three and two team. They're at home. The fact that this line is two and a half only with Atlanta at home as a winning team kind of tells me something. You know, it's, it's almost like they're telling you, like, yeah, we're not really sure about the Falcons. Well, I think the Redskins come in here. Oops. I'm supposed to call them the Redskins. Oh, for God's sakes. Uh, the for, the team formerly known as the Redskins, almost like Twitter, formerly known as Twitter. I will take Washington plus two and a half. I think they're going to get the outright against Atlanta. Uh, then I'm going with another team. Here's a team. The Eagles are a 5-0 team this year. But if you watch the Eagles, this is not the 5-0 the Eagles were last year. 5-0 the Eagles were last year was the team the 49ers are this year. The Eagles are finding ways not to lose to their credit. It is the NFL, but they're not dominant. And what's sneaky here is the Jets the last couple of weeks. I don't know what happened to Zach Wilson. I don't know if his mother's friend is back in town. I don't know. What's oh, my God. <laughs> but the Jets are playing good football, and he looks like a different player. He's got a certain shine to him. I mean, he almost beat the Chiefs at home, okay? He's getting seven points at home, Okay. With a good defense. I mean, the Jets have a good defense. I think they hang around in this game. They may not win it, but I think this is another tight ball game for the Eagles. Give me the Jets plus seven. Finally, 
I would love to be on the other side of this. And honestly, I thought the Chargers were going to be installed as two or three point favorites. They're coming off a bye. I thought they'd say, okay, look at these schleps in Dallas from last week. And then I would have probably went to the other side in this game. But they're not doing that. They're not doing Dallas any favors here. Dallas comes off what they did last week. And I know I have the, I see Chad in my screen. He's got this look on his face like he doesn't like this. But I'm telling you, I don't like the Cowboys being installed as a favor here off that performance. And, and that disrespects the Chargers. So a team that could have been sitting around for a couple of weeks, like the Chargers saying, oh, look at what Dallas stinks. Look what they just did. Now they look at this and they see this point spread and go, wait, we're home underdogs against these guys? Give me the Chargers plus two and a half. And oh, it kills me to do that. It kills me. But give me the Chargers plus two and a half. All right, hit that recap for us. Recap. Commanders, Washington, whatever you want to call them, plus two and a half. The Jets plus seven, J-E-T-S, Jets. And the Chargers against my Cowboys, plus two and a half. My man Amel was really towing the line with that Jets commentary. He was, uh, mm. uh, listen, I, like I said, I watched that Cowboys-San Francisco game. I got a really decent look at it. Cowboys are a good football team, and they handed that game off to a blowout. I'm not going to say that they were going to beat San Francisco. They handed it off into a blowout by just not being focused. I don't think the Chargers are the the 49ers to the Cowboys, and they can go in and play their game. Last week, I think they got out of whack. They're still a good football team that can get after the passer. And if there's one thing that if you disrupt on the Chargers team that's going to get you a victory is if you disrupt their, their play caller back there. The Chargers, man, I just don't trust them. They have two wins this year. One's against Vegas who's and Minnesota, who's double. You know my full disclosure. We've been doing this show a long time now, over a decade. My full disclosure, I'll pick my team when I honestly think they're going to win. And I'll tell the fans, I, I make picks based on what I think is going to happen. I'm going to be sitting there Sunday rooting against myself. Of course. I'm telling you. But that of has course. no impact on the game, right? We're fair. And you're you're fair. The Cowboys. Yeah, you're fair in terms of how you pick the games um, when it comes to the Cowboys. I, I feel you. And I would be on board with you if they were a favorite north of three. I think them being under three is not so much disrespectful. Because I don't think – I feel like just personally lines within three – don't really get mentioned in the meetings. It's not brought up. When it starts straying over three, it gets to four or it gets to seven or it gets to double digits if you're not a winning team. I think it gets mentioned in that Monday meeting. As as a Cowboys fan, what I was hoping happened with this line, to be honest with you, I was hoping they put the Chargers as a three-point favorite because I, I don't felt see like how that, I don't, that, there, there's no scenario, I think, where that would have happened. I, I was just hoping that the extent of what happened Sunday night influenced them enough to do that. Cause as a Cowboy fan, I was, you know, it, w- it would get Dallas's attention and maybe lull the chargers to sleep to watching that film on Sunday. And my fear is the opposite here. The chargers look and say, a team just lost by 32 points. I watched that game. What, what, the, what, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and perhaps, perhaps you're right. On the way out here, let's talk about a couple smoking hot NFL, I mean, uh, college football games that we didn't touch on in our picks. Oregon is facing Washington, Amo. That's a, that's a mega clash coming down there. And you know what? Ah, kind of feel Oregon in this one. I do too. And, and you know, you know, what I think the difference in this game is going to be a, l- a little bit. I, I think 
Washington will make one or two mistakes that will flip field position in this game and kind of get Oregon ahead and put Washington in a trail position most of the game. And I think it'll be a good game, but but I think in the end, I think I feel a couple Washington mistakes here for some reason. Just the interceptions. He's thrown a couple the last few weeks. And I think if he throws a couple in this kind of game, you know, it might this has a feeling of like a 45 35 game, 45 38 to me. Uh, I think maybe Oregon plays better defense, so maybe a lower scoring game, but a good game nonetheless. Well, you still got that Colorado game stuck in your head. Don't forget, Texas Tech hung 30-some on them. So, Man, you're going to learn about those Red Raiders. I don't know what they were doing early in the year, but it's a <laughs> solid football club right there. But, yeah, I think either way, we're looking at a good football game. Yet another great Pac-12 matchup. We got to talk about your school heading out to Notre Dame to take on the fighting Irish Irish come into this with not a whole lot of pressure. They don't have to worry about that whole college yeah. playoff thing and the weather conditions, Emil speak on more on behalf of the fighting Irish as they are better running the football at a USC defense that uh, don't care too much for tackling. Uh, ironically, it's funny this week, you and I are on the opposite sides of both my teams. I, Coming into this game, I thought somehow that USC might be a two, three-point favorite. I think they've over-adjusted the line here. I mean, don't forget, USC should still move the football. I know they've been practicing all week with wet balls sprayed down fields. They understand the weather. I've um, been doing a lot with I, water this week. Fun to watch the one it. One thing I don't like, California. like about Notre Dame, and you've watched, you've watched Notre Dame's games. Yes, they run the ball well, and I like the running back. The receivers get no separation. That's the real reason why I did not make this a pick. Um, I, I, I don't trust their offense enough for me to do that. If I had to lean one way, though, I'd go with the gold helmets. But I don't like they're, – they're, they're creeping into Iowa territory for me offensively. Yeah, I think it's – listen, I love the game because I'm a history guy of, of, of college and pro football. I love the tradition and history that these two schools bring, 11 national championships, seven Heismans each. Eight, really, if we give Reggie his back. So, I mean, it's 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 always lot, give know. Reggie his Heisman Trophy. We don't recognize that. Yeah, I don't recognize that. No, that NCAA nothing. bullshit. We no, watched them run for all those yards and dazzle everyone to hell with what the NCAA is. I just love the game. I love that it's. I like the, the whole thing at Notre Dame with a little rain. It feels like that. It's college football, yeah. man. Um, the final one I want to talk about involves my alma mater. Um and their potential to get into victory formation on Saturday. Wait, I just I gave you the pick. I told you what's going to happen already. <laughs> what's that? They're, I get. I, they were one of my picks. I told you they're going to win. Oh yeah. I, I mean, me, me personally, I don't pick University of Miami games to pick them. Pick I know. Them. But I really feel good about them here in this one. Um, you got to get that stink off of you. I see them being mightily motivated coming into this game. Um, it would, what a thing it would be if they do end up with the ball at the end of the game in position to undo what they did last week. I think that's going to, if, if, if Miami's winning throughout this game, that's going to be the suspense, even in a blowout win that will keep people watching this game to see exactly what's going to happen in those, in the final minute of this football game. But I think this is a good way to get redemption um, kind of take what was been on their back all this week, whatever you want to call it, monkey, stink, whatever, um, and fix that. So I don't r- normally get into Miami games, but I, I like I like my school here as an underdog. 
Yeah, I, I think this is a week that, you know, the preparation will be easy for their coaching staff. I think that's that should we be. We don't have to pull out any tricks or make any fake quotes. No. We don't got to do any of that. Yeah. No, All right. So that's it, folks. We uh, have recapped the week that was. We've set you up for your weekend on the couch and at the uh, at your place. So you can go ahead and get down on the action because, Emil, we are what? We're combined what? What is that number? 45 and 21. Hey, your local guy or the guy you're getting picks from is not doing that. So hop on. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed both the commentary and the picks that we provided for you. If you have not already, once again, subscribe to us on YouTube. If that's how you're watching this right now or hearing this right now, go ahead and hit that subscribe button as well as the bell. And of course, if you're listening to us uh, via podcast on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, whatever you're listening on, feel free or go ahead and subscribe and hit the bell. Hey, man, and if you're a social media savvy kind of person, just go ahead and hit that share button and get this, you know, share with your friends that the Two Chumps Football Podcast is where it's at. All right. Hope you guys enjoy it. For Emil Calamino, I'm Chad Wilson. Thanks for listening and watching the Two Chumps Football Podcast. We'll see you guys next week.